Brandon Brands. I'm John Farrar, founder of Nimble. If you want to build a brand that matters, listen to Brands on Brands on Brands with Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, and this week, another great guest for you. His name is John Ferrara. We talk about CRM, which is how you manage your customers, your database of customers, their information, their phone numbers, their emails, and how you communicate with them using that information and how to do it the right way, how to do it in the human way, and how to use technology to form that more human connection as opposed to send you further away. This guy's a pioneer. I love having someone who's been both an entrepreneur and knows marketing deep, like really deep. So check out the episode. I hope you guys love it as much as I did. Thank you. Brandon Brands. All right, let's get into it. Thank you so much to our guest. First of all, John Ferrara for coming on the show today. Just really excited to have you, John. And thanks for showing up. You bet, Brandon. I, I really appreciate any opportunity that I can do to inspire and educate other people, because I think that's why we're here on this planet is to grow by helping other people grow. And, and what's better than to share your, your journey in life to help other people who are interested in, in doing things not dissimilar. And, and entrepreneurship, I think, is really in all of us, not just people who are starting their own businesses, but I think that everybody, even if you work for somebody, should think entrepreneurially. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here is, you know, we bring on marketing experts, we bring on entrepreneurs to talk about what can, what can we bring together the theory and the practice that really helps people. And what I love today and why I was excited to have you on is I do want to do a little bit of both of that. You are both someone who's been building businesses, you know, since back in the day before, you know, the internet was really fully <laughs> grown and you've been doing it in a way that, that also is within this marketing B2B space. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about that and the company that you've built and the work you've been doing. I'm also excited because one of my favorite topics is CRM. And for those of you that are still getting familiar with it, John, I want to have you help me explain this since you've been in this space probably longer than most people have been aware of it even. And CRM, for those that don't know, stands for Customer Relationship Management. And I'll give the layman's like what I think of it as, which is just when I hear that word, that's, oh yeah, when the grocery store scans your keychain, they have your information and the store is like, what do I do now to keep them coming back? The loyalty programs, the communication, the emails. But I'd love you to help me lay that groundwork as to like, what has CRM been to you and how would you explain it to an audience that isn't as familiar? You bet, Brandon. So let's just start with the definition. CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. And I got in this business uh, pioneering contact management and CRM before Outlook or Salesforce existed, before the term CRM was defined. And so I actually helped define the term CRM by building the first team relationship manager. And what that was, was a product called Goldmine that integrated email, contact, and calendar into a team tool. 
And the idea of that is that people don't work in a vacuum. They work as part of a larger team and everybody in the team touches the customer. And so you need a team database of contacts that has the history of interactions on email and calendar, both pending and completed, so that no matter who engages with that person, they know who they are, what their business is about, and the history of interactions and who's done it and the pending things that are going to happen and who's supposed to do it. That way, you're more effective at that engagement and at the follow-up and follow-through. And it's not just important for sales and marketing people, but for everybody in the company. What happened was Goldmine was the first program that integrated email and contact and calendar for a team with sales and market automation. And ultimately, Outlook came out and that became the contact manager for email and contacts and calendar. And CRMs like Siebel and Salesforce came out and that became the repository for leads and prospects for sales and marketing people to engage. And so when contact management and CRM split, where Goldman had them together, then CRM became the basis database for a company's contacts, mainly in the sales and marketing arena. And the problem is, is that CRM doesn't stand for customer relationship management anymore. It stands for customer reporting management because it's not about relationships. Relationships are started in communications and engagement that happens in outlook and now more and more social and crms are basically a place where you have to force salespeople to go and log what they did and what they're supposed to do so you can run reports on them and i think that's our biggest problem today is that contact management and crm are broken and that's why i got back in the business to build nimble there's a lot there i'd really love to break some of that down because i think that you're the guy who can do it for for the group here so if i start with the basics of it which is we need to talk to our customers. We need to have a way to contact them. So the first step for a customer, obviously, or for a business, obviously, is creating a way to talk. So whether that's collecting a phone number, a text that you can text them with, or an email or a social link, whatever the thing is, you need to get their information so that you can start a conversation. Now, what, what I was hearing in that is that obviously, the email providers started to change and grow and people had the, the first real big ones, which were like Outlook and now it's Gmail. Like, and then, so like, these are the two things that people are using every day. What does CRM do to help make just email better to begin with? Before, and before that, what's wrong with it? Because we definitely want to get into that too. So let's step back a little bit because you talked about contacts and that's the heart of every business is contacts, Right. And so you think about the constituency around your business, it's more than just prospects and customers that you engage with. And it's more than just salespeople that do the engagement. So if you think about it, in your business, you have theoretically in a decent sized business, sales, marketing, customer service, accounting uh, people in your business. And you deal with externally, at Nimble at least, we deal with editors, analysts, bloggers, influencers, third-party developers, investors, advisors, and prospects and customers. And so you have a constituency around your business and you have a team of people that are engaging with them. And what you need to do is collect all the names so that you have what they call a contact database. In the old days, it was a Rolodex. Every business person had a, a Rolodex and eventually it was a day timer. And that translated into what Goldmine was, was a team contact database. And today, you're right. Those contacts are either in Gmail, G Suite, Office 365, or some tool. And the problem is, is that in your business, you have sales, marketing, customer service, and accounting programs, which are all silos of contacts in your business. And then every team member has a separate contact database in G Suite or Office 365. 
And those contacts aren't linked to the interaction history on email and calendar. So that's the brokenness of contact management and CRM today is that salespeople use the CRM as their contact database to prospect, uh, to engage with prospects, to turn them into closed deals. And then they go into accounting and then they go into customer service. And then you have marketing that's sort of on the front end of, of CRM that basically nurtures the leads. And then you have the contact management database, which are all separate islands. And that's what Nimble fixes. So Nimble automatically unifies the email, contact, and calendar in G Suite, Office, uh, 365, or iCloud. And then we integrate Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn contacts and history. And then we synchronize with over 200 SaaS business apps. So that means that if you have contacts in sales, marketing, customer service, accounting, like QuickBooks or MailChimp or Salesforce even, we unify all that together. And then Nimble then works back in the places where you engage. Most of us engage mainly in email and now more and more social. And we also engage in the business apps we engage with. So you might engage through your CRM or you might engage through your customer service app or you might engage through your marketing app or even your social listening app. But ultimately, all those contacts that you're engaging with have to be touched by multiple people. And that's the siloed contacts that exist in today's businesses. And that's what Goldmine really fixed 30 years ago because it was the team relationship manager. But today, contact management is broken because you have to choose Office 365 or G Suite or Gmail if you're an individual as your team productivity contact cloud. But email, contact, and calendar are three separate apps. That's the heart of the brokenness. And then you have silos of QuickBooks and MailChimp and whatever CRM you're using. And basically, Nimble fixes all that by unifying them and then working back where you work. Right. And for an entrepreneur out there that's figuring this stuff out, you know, they've obviously they knew that they needed an email. And as they started to prospect and build their business, I'm sure they realized, well, I can't, you know, even... A, keeping the history on my customers and all that I need to know about them and where they might be a cold lead, a warm lead, or someone I need to close. Just tracking that alone, they they probably realize they need some help doing that because their little notes aren't going to do it. And then beyond that, they have, once they finish the email part of it, they're like, well, responding to all these customers, once I get the right volume, this this alone becomes difficult. So I, I think their traditional understanding is, okay, now I need to use something that helps me start creating email sequences, start creating, you know, bucketing my customers into different groups and tracking my leads. And that's what I think traditionally people think of as... They do. And that is is what people think of as CRM today. But actually, it's a combination of market automation and CRM. And so if you think about that cycle of what you just talked about, let's talk about that cycle, the customer life cycle of of a lead. So typically what you want to do is establish yourself as a trusted advisor in the cycle of your customer's buying process. And today you do that through content to inspire and educate them about how you might help them grow in and around the promise of your product and services. And I happen to use social media a lot to do that. You could use paid ads to do that. Uh, But I use Gorilla PR and social media. And what I do is identify the influencer of my core prospect in and around the areas of promise of my product and services For me, that's thought leaders in social sales and marketing. Then I share their content. I attribute their name and hashtag the category, pound sales, pound marketing, pound social. And then what that does is attracts people who want to be better, smarter, faster at those things, sales and marketing and social. And it also attracts the influencer themselves, the person that wrote the content, which I then build a pay it forward relationship with them, like somebody, Mark Schaefer, who we share in common. Where, uh, where we build a relationship, they become a nimble user, but also an evangelist. 
And it's that influencer marketing that's enabled me to build two global tech brands, Goldmine and Nimble. So imagine in 1989, if you invented sales automation, contact management, CRM, before anybody even knew it existed or that they even needed it. And so back in the DOS days, when people use using Novell Networks, I built the first team relationship manager. How do you sell something to somebody that they don't know they need? What I did is I identified their trusted advisor, the person that sold them the network, the Novell Network reseller. Because back then, Novell was G Suite today. If you think about it today, you tie PCs together with G Suite or Office. Back in the day, it was Novell. But I had the first network team relationship manager to run on top of that. So I cold called every single Novell reseller in the country and I got them to use Goldmine because people sell what they know and they know what they use. Then they started to recommend it and resell it to the customers. That's how we were able to start Goldmine on $5,000 with no venture and grow it to $100 million in revenue. With Nimble, I identified the thought leaders in social sales and marketing and I started to share their content. So I used influencer marketing to build both of those brands. And I think anybody listening to this today can use this process to establish their, themselves and their company in the top of mind of their prospects and customers through content sharing, and then begin to engage with those people. So you drive eyeballs through whatever means, ad spend or content to your website. They then convert through some sort of form and what happens is that that name has to go into something. Typically, it goes into market automation. You put it on a drip sequence until they're lead qualified, which means they do enough stuff. You get enough information to know that that's something you want to invest in, that person. And then they go into the CRM and typically a sales rep will then engage with them. But sales reps need intelligence on who somebody is and what they're about. Typically, sales reps have to Google somebody to do that. And then they need to engage in one-to-one -one conversations and they can't use the market automation system to do that. So you may use Marketo or Pardot or MailChimp as the market automation system. But once it's in the CRM, you need to buy your salespeople sales intelligence software, which gives them who somebody is and what their business is about. So they don't have to Google them. Then they need some sort of a sales enablement tool with email and template tracking. So the sales rep can engage in a one-to-one -one and one-to-many in an authentic and personal way. And there's tools for that as well, like Salesloft and ToutApp and, and HubSpot and other things like that, HubSpot Sales. But the problem is, is once you get done buying all these tools, CRM, market automation, CRM, sales intelligence and sales enablement, email tracking, it's three to $500 per sales rep per month for these tools. And most sales reps don't even know how to put them together to use them. So then you have to hire a sales administrator to do it. But what I just talked about, Brandon, was the life cycle of leads getting into the CRM. But here's the biggest problem. The biggest cause of failure of CRM is lack of use and, and bad data. Lack of use is because you have to force salespeople to use it. That's why they call it Salesforce. You have to force salespeople to use it. And the second, even if you do get them to Google people and then go and log what they did, people change, companies change. So the data becomes corrupt. It becomes stale. And so I think that your CRM should work for you by building itself, by automatically unifying your email, contact, and calendar, enriching it with people and company data, and then enable you to do that one-to-one -one and one-to-many outreach. And uh, today, most businesses don't use any CRM. There's 225 million global businesses. Less than 1% use any CRM. And I think that's because most people don't really need a CRM. They just need a really bitching contact manager. Because that's really the heart of CRM is engaging with other people to stay top of mind. So when they make a buying decision, they pick up the phone, they call you, and they drag their friends with them. Well, what I, what I appreciate is that 
what I like to say is there's a, there's a generation, which is like generation X and a little bit before that, that built, you know, what is now the internet and all the tools on top of it. And I was having a conversation with one of uh, my, my other guests and they said, yeah, and I'm part of Gen Y and we are here trying to break it and figure out like, like we are using it all to the, to a degree that the people that built it didn't even know how, you know, what we could have, what the options were. I feel like you've started to do both. Like you built the original CRM tools and then you decided like there are other things that are missing with how fast media is evolving, with how people are communicating using social media. And there's a value that we need to bring to make these tools more useful. And you, a little bit earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that some of the things that were wrong, that these are becoming reporting tools. And I'd like to break that down a little bit. So what are some of the things that people start to, what are some of that bad habits that start to happen that we should try to avoid if we can manage it along the way? Well, I think that people, salespeople look at customers as targets uh, that who need to be bagged and tagged. And I think that sales has become a four-letter word. And I think that service is the new sales. That your job on this planet is to grow by helping other people grow. And I, and, I, and I sort of break it down to your job on this planet is to grow your soul by helping other people grow theirs. But it's my basic philosophy about life and relationships. And I think any salesperson that is interested in just meeting their quota and bagging and tagging customers isn't really going to be delivering value and service at the scale that they should or could. But if you enter into every business relationship with the true desire to help that person grow then you're going to build an incredible brand and network of people who are going to refer business to you. And I think that's the way we all were 100 years ago. And that mass manufacturing drove people from the small villages into the city. And they started making so many products like brushes that they had to hire door-to-door salespeople, full-of-brush salespeople, and madmen marketing to basically drive the sales that that transformed the way that we really sell and engage. And I think that social media has uh, transformed it back to a small village. It's increasing the transparency and expectations that we have of each other and of the businesses that we engage with and the way that we engage with them. And it's forcing salespeople to change the way that they think about customers and the way that we engage with people. But we also then have to rethink the tools we use. Because the traditional CRM is really about bagging and tagging customers, and it's not really about uh, engaging with them in a relevant, authentic, one-to-one way to establish yourself as a trusted advisor so that they actually call you instead of you co-calling them. And today, a lot of people are using the modern tools to essentially automate outreach and, 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 and pound people with automated emails and automated phone calls. And that's not the secret. The secret is to basically establish yourself as a trusted advisor so people pick up the phone and call you and they drag their friends with them. And that is, they call that social selling and, uh, and I really just call it smart business. And so anybody listening today should, at the very least, establish an identity in the places where your prospects and customers and ideally their influencers are having conversations. And then you should start sharing content to inspire and educate other people about how you might help them become better, smarter, faster. Don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about your products. People don't care about great products. They care about growing themselves. They, so, so I actually have a, a way I say that. People don't buy great products. They buy better versions of themselves. And so I think that if you do establish your brand and identity, you do get people to income bound to engage with you you're going to be overwhelmed by connections and conversations. Brandon, 
How many connections do you have on Twitter today? Uh, 4,000 plus. Okay. And, and you probably have like thousands of LinkedIn connections as well, right? Right. Yep. And you're probably getting to the point where you really don't remember everybody. Yeah, that's by, by a long shot. Yeah. There's a Dunbar limit. You can only manage 100 to 200 people in your head at one time. Most of us have thousands of connections. So if you do what I tell you to do to establish your brand and identity as a trusted advisor in and around the prospects and customers and their influencers that you want to engage with, you're going to get over-connected and over-communicated, which means you need a database for yourself and ideally for your company that enables you to uh, identify people that matter and stay connected with them. And that's what CRMs aren't really designed to do. They're really designed to put a lead in, to engage with that lead, to drive a deal. But the thing is, is that customers don't buy from you once, ideally. They buy from you multiple times. So it should be an ongoing relationship. And you shouldn't just be engaging with prospects and customers, but ideally they're influencers as well. So if I'm selling to small businesses, I'm going to engage with their attorney or their lawyer or their technology reseller or whatever. And CRMs aren't designed for that kind of relationship engagement and networking community building. And so if you're listening to this today, you need your own personal CRM, your own golden Rolodex, and that you should go out and find a tool that unifies your, your Gmail, your G Suite, your Office, your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn into your own personal relationship tool and then bring that to work with you because you're going to be told to use tools at your office, a CRM or whatever tool you're using. But imagine if you had your own little nimble that's sitting on your shoulder wherever you engage, it helped you to engage better, smarter, faster by building records on who that person is and what they're about, allowing you to build these personal connections and then be able to take that network with you wherever you go in life because you're going to get hired on your brand and your network in the future. And most people don't do a really good job of that. And when I'm talking about individually, the same goes for a business because most businesses really don't take good care of the community around that business. That's why they need to sort of rethink the traditional bag them and tag them grandpa CRM. And so if you think about it, I kind of pioneered contact management as CRM, which was mainly focused on relationships, not reporting in CRM. Then Siebel and Salesforce came in and sort of made it really about management and enterprise and reporting. I'm coming back to sort of reshape it and reimagine it because I think we're going through a renaissance in relationships through the evolution and revolution of social media. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. And what I think really spoke to me in that is that there's this, this you know, every time we get a new tool that saves us time and helps us do something faster and smarter and helps us work a little bit harder... I think we forget the human side of it, which is what I try to, you know, instill here into the people that are listening is, is there still this human element that, that you need to figure out and then use the tool to your advantage? And, and before I get to my question, the thing that I think was interesting is you can have someone that has 100 emails, like we'll start small, right? And their gut might be, okay, I have this tool and I'm going to use it to send a form letter, a newsletter, like a one-off email to those hundred people because cool, I have this tool and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to click send a hundred times. I can now click send once and send it to a hundred people. And I think that's the mistake. You know, what I tell people is I would rather you send all hundred emails individually or, you know, start with 10, like pick 10 of the people, write an individual email to those people and then use the tool to see what happens. So, you know, see if they're responding to how you're writing it, see if they're clicking certain things in the email, because that's the reporting side of it that's actually valuable. And then as you start to get to know them better, put them into categories where you start to understand them. You start to say, this is the things that they're interested in. These are where they are and, you know, are they cold or hot or warm or whatever? 
and you can start to say, okay, what kind of messaging is going to be more effective with them? And then you can start to build the sequences. You can start to build the different communication patterns. Okay, what's the reply to this kind of email on that? And I think if you're starting out, you need to figure out how to stay as human as possible in your communication before you ramp up into, you know, sending out a white email. Like, let's get away from the newsletters and the spams. And the, I just need to be touching this person and contacting them once a week so that they remember me. Let's get out of that and into the human conversation. And my question is, it seems like you started to realize this. And then not only that, decided that social should be informing this. I'd love to hear more about when Nibble became an idea in your head and how that started to form itself and like what value you thought you were bringing to the market. So after pioneering contact management serum with Goldmine at 29, I sold it when I was 40, 39. And I spent 10 years raising three kids. And in the process of that, I started to use social media in 2006, seven, and eight. And I saw it was going to change the way we work, play, buy, and sell. And I started looking for a relationship manager that integrated social. I couldn't find it. That led me to see that contact management was broken because Gmail G Suite had email, contact, and calendars, three separate tabs. And nobody ever goes to the contact records because there's a history of interactions on email and calendar, but also didn't have the social interactions or the, connect, the, the contact info that you find in social. Because ultimately, as I started to engage with people in Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, I began to discover a little bit more about them. And that's how we connect to people in life. We connect on the five Fs of life, family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. And that's the personal side that builds the, the intimacy and trust that opens up the business side. In the old days, before the internet, I taught people, when you go in somebody's office, look at their walls, look at the books they read, the degree of the school they went to, the knickknacks they collect. All that stuff informs you about who they are and what they're about. And then you could share what you have in common to develop the intimacy and trust and get them to open up to you about their business issues, which as a professional, you can solve. Today, we do it electronically. And so you have to Google somebody before a meeting. And typically, you don't log that in your CRM. And it's just too much work. 60% of a salesperson's time is wasted Googling and logging stuff that the computer can do automatically. And that, then I started looking at CRM, saw that it wasn't about relationships, it was about reporting, and neither G Suite or CRMs had socially integrated with it. So I basically said, I could do this. Just like I heard notes in my head when I built Goldmine, I heard notes in my head about uh, a solution. And it came from my own struggle, both companies. So basically, I built Nimble. And when I built Nimble, the, I got all of the APIs from LinkedIn, public and private, including email lookup, synchronization of email, synchronization of signals and groups and individual notifications, the ability to send messages, the ability to connect and, and, um, and do, do the um, you know, invites and everything. And I had the, all that integrated with Twitter and Facebook and automatically integrated with G Suite. And it was amazing until LinkedIn cut off the API because they wanted to buy Nimble and, uh, and have me build Sales Navigator, but they didn't offer me enough money. And then Facebook cut off the API because they want you to go consume advertising. Eventually, it became a privacy issue because of all the presidential stuff. So I had to reimagine what Nimble was. And I came to the, the conclusion that email, conic, and calendar are the heart of every business. That's the core of it. And social is just a new means of conversation. But the thing is, is that we all live in our inbox, even today. And so you either live in Gmail, G Suite, or Office 365, or Outlook with Exchange. One of those things is your place of living. And I think that your CRM should automatically unify all the contacts in your business, enrich it with people and company data so you don't have to Google them, you nimble them, and then live back where you work. 
in your inbox, inside social, or inside any of the sales, marketing, customer service apps that you're using. And that became the sort of the revolutionary idea that helped us take Nimble to the next level where today, Microsoft has signed a global reseller agreement with Nimble. They sell Nimble with Office 365 through their global distributors and resellers. They're walking us into the distributors and basically paying the distributors to push it to the resellers. And that basically, we've signed up over a thousand Microsoft resellers in the past six months. And I think that now we're evolving into the simple serum for Office 365 and G Suite. And that's really an underserved market that most businesses are individuals and teams of two to 25. And they really can't afford the complex enterprise tools like Salesforce and others. And that's the market that we are serving uh, today. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that story about how this was being built and how you started to find customers. Because when you come back into it, and obviously building a business is no... Uh, easy endeavor, and it's you know you you know you you've done it once, so you know you're signing up for you know for a lot of work uh, and stress and time. Obviously, it's something you're passionate about, but getting back into this space and building something again from scratch, a like what was the mindset going into that? But b like how did you start to find your first customers? Because you come into it now, it's a very crowded space. So when I started Nimble, there were mainly enterprise CRMs. There wasn't a simple CRM, and there wasn't a simple CRM that was social. And so I actually invented social serum and social selling before people understood that social was going to be a way that businesses connect with customers. Back when I started Nimble, Twitter is a place where propeller heads tell each other when they're going to the bathroom. Facebook was a place to hook up with their high school sweetheart and LinkedIn was a place to get a job. And so to build the Nimble brand, what I did was identified the trusted advisors of the prospects I wanted to engage with in and around the areas of promise of the products and services that Nimble provided. So Nimble was a tool that helped people with social sales and marketing. And so it's by sharing content from those thought leaders and then engaging with those thought leaders to become uh, users and evangelists of Nimble is how I essentially built the Nimble brand into a global brand uh, today. And then by leveraging partnerships with the software manufacturers like Microsoft and Google who already have relationships with the customers and resellers that I want to access with and also making Nimble something that automatically works with any business and any tool they already have, which makes it easy to install and, and use. And then connecting and doing storytelling with press uh, about how businesses are growing. And that's really how we built Goldmine. So I'm basically doing the same playbook as Goldmine, but just in a different generation. I'd like to get a little bit more into like the personal story there. So when you're building this business, were there points where you're like, I, you know, I'm not sure if either A, it took off so fast because there was so much interest that this was a slam dunk and it was just the scaling that was the difficulty. Or was there some difficulty just the education and getting people to say, yeah, that's something we need. What would, like when you're building this thing that's that's new and has a new kind of way in, what were some of the things that were hard that were like that you had to figure out and, and solve? So with each company, there were different journeys and different sort of moments of stress and pain because you don't birth anything without stress and pain. Whether we're talking about building a house, remodeling a house, having a baby, birthing a baby, raising a baby, or birthing a business and raising a business. And, and each of the journeys were different, but there's a lot of parallels. With Goldmine, I was in an apartment 
And we started on $5,000 and it was, you know, years of struggle before we saw any sort of thing happening. But then when it started to happen, it just took off. With Nimble, because of my background and ability to tell stories and build teams and products, and because we were first with a social serum and social selling, it took off really quick. And we had over 100,000 people subscribe to Nimble within the first couple of years. And we have investors like Mark Cuban and Dharma Shah and Jason Calacanis and um, Google Ventures and, and other people like that. And so over the first few years, there was tremendous success and visibility in the market. But then when we lost the APIs to LinkedIn and Facebook, then it was like kind of walking through the desert. Like, you know, when Jesus walked through the desert and had to sort of re, re, refine himself. And, and that was a struggle for me to sort of reimagine what Nimble was going to be, where it was really based a lot on social. I had to sort of rethink about Nimble isn't going to be a place where people live all day, but Nimble is going to be a tool that's really going to be the heart of a business with this email contact and calendar and the contacts from all the disparate business apps that they have, and then work wherever you work. Because I'm not going to get you out of G Suite or Office 365 where you live or your sales or marketing or customer service accounting app that you're using. But if I can become the tool that unifies all your contacts for your business, so everybody in your company is on one page, and that no matter where you are, even if you're in a Forbes article or Twitter or Facebook, that you basically know who Brandon is and the last time you're the team engaged with them, and then helps you to follow up and follow through, that's going to be something that's going to be incredible for you. And so with Nimble, we had early success but then we had struggles in the middle. With Goldmine, most of the struggle was really in the beginning. But even as it grew, there are times when I, I was driving home and just crying, you know, just from the stress of running a business. Because the, I think the hardest part of any business is the human aspect, because people do the darndest things. And as, a, as an entrepreneur and, and a business owner, you care about the people in your business and you invest everything you have into them and the business. You work for your team. They're not employees, they're team members and you work for them, really. And a lot of the stress of the business is on you. When things happen, you just, it, it hurts, right? And so there were times at, uh, at Goldmine where I just went home and didn't want to go back. <laughs> and, and in some respects, the same with Nimble. I mean, Building a business is a struggle. Nobody's going to hand you anything in life. You got to go out there and you got to make it happen every single day. But for me, I love the dance. And I think the biggest part of the dance I love is growing people. And that goes back to how I started the conversation with you, Brandon, is I think we're on this planet to grow by helping other people grow. And I have been able to build tools that help people achieve their dreams in life because I believe that your passion, plan, and purpose in life is achieved through the relationships and the brand that you build and that you need to worry about that. You need to work on that every single day. And Goldmine and now Nimble powers people to achieve those things. And when people stop me on the street and they say, John, you changed my life, that's it for me. That, 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 that makes my day. And the other like day is actually a few years ago. I was in my ENT's office. And my ENT saved my life because I had a head tumor a year after I sold Goldmine and he helped find it and get me on the path to wellness. But he also happens to be the ENT to like stars, like back in the day, Frank Sancho, Whitney Houston, Bono, whatever. 
So I was walking out of the cubicle, you know, the little rooms they stick you in, and I bumped into this little old man. And I looked down and said, shit, you're Mick Jagger, and you're old and short. And I didn't say that, but I felt it, right? Like, how often do you run into Mick Jagger, right? Like, and he, he had this, like, jacket on and a scarf, you know. And, but anyways, in that same moment, and you know, when you're thinking, a lot of things go through your head. I thought to myself, why does this guy get on an airplane and go do 50, 100 shows a year? Clearly, he doesn't need the money, right? He's Sir Mr. Dagger, right? He does it because he loves the dance. He loves it because he loves the power of people. It's through that moment that he's on stage connecting with that audience that he feeds on that. He, he, that is the thing that powers him, that gets him up in the morning and keeps him up at night. And for me, that's the dance is dancing with people, powering them to achieve their dreams by building tools, but more than just the tool, because that's the fishing pole, is, is teaching them to fish. And so that's the reason I do shows like this with you, Brandon, is that I believe if you teach people to fish, they'll figure out yourself fishing poles. And daily, I love to inspire and educate other people about how they can become better, smarter, faster, and achieve their passion plans and purpose in life. And ultimately, it comes down to relationships. Because it's the relationships that you build, nurture, and pay forward that will power your, your dreams in life. And I think that most people don't do a really good job of managing their relationships because they're scattered individually or as a business. Let's talk about individually. Today, you have a Gmail account. You might even have a G Suite account for your business. You probably have Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn contacts. And then you probably have some sort of an email marketing program. And you probably have some sort of a CRM that manages all those contacts and things that you do. And then you might even have an accounting program with contacts and they're all all over the place. And you're probably not doing a good job of identifying the key people and then staying in touch, nurturing those relationships. And I think we all need to be more concerned about our brand and our network, not just salespeople, not just business owners, but everybody listening to this today. Well, I think you probably gave a little bit of it away right there, but if you had to talk to an entrepreneur one-on-one and say, you know, you're just getting started, what would be that, that nugget of advice that you think would take them further as they're kind of growing this business? And it could be, you know, in this, this kind of space that you're talking about, but what would be that, those things for the people that are just getting going that you think you'd want them to, to kind of remember to help them keep going on the right path? Well, I think brand and network are really the key to success individually or as a company. And so if I was an entrepreneur, if I was talking to an entrepreneur just starting down the entrepreneurial journey, I'd, stay, I'd say start with your own brand and network and make sure that you establish an identity across all the places where your constituency has conversations and put up a, a great photo that shows your eyes and your face. Go to my LinkedIn, uh, J-O-N Ferrara, F-E-R-R-A. Look at the photograph that I have on LinkedIn. I actually got that shot at one of the last Microsoft conferences People need to see your eyes and your face because that's how they connect to you. And then share content on a regular basis, not just stuff about your, your company or yourself, but about how people might become better, smarter, faster. So give away your knowledge. And if you don't have the ability to write knowledge, then just when you're drinking your coffee in the morning, find articles that you're naturally reading about your industry and share that stuff. But not just business stuff, but share stuff about yourself because people connect to you on the personal side. And so I am into astronomy and backpacking and barbecue and family. And so I share stuff like that mixed with the other stuff. And then 
um, for your business brand, make sure you establish the identities across all those places for your business brand and do the same exact thing, um, sharing content. And then what you need to do is you need to listen and engage because just sharing content is like dropping a fishing lure in the river, but you need to pull that hook and reel that, that, that in in order to establish uh, connections and conversations that drive results. And then finally, it's not just about your company brand or about your brand. You need to empower your team members to build their brand because I think it's the team members' brands that humanize the corporate brand. And that's where people really connect to. People buy from people. They don't buy necessarily from businesses. And so you want to empower your team to build their brand. And then that helps build the company brand. And so what we do at Nimble is when we share content, we share content across our team members' brands, as well as the company brand, and then we all engage uh, across that. And so, so these are the, sort of the key branding and networking things. And don't think about just connecting to prospects and customers in order to grow your business. You want to connect to their influencers as well. And so figure out who are the, who is your prospect and customer, who is their trusted advisor, and then begin to engage with those influencers as well, because you can typically, you can't scale to the masses of your prospects and customers, but if you can scale to their trusted advisors, to their influencers, and they become your storytellers and, and evangelists for you, that truly scales. And today, most SaaS businesses generate eyeballs through AdWords who drive those eyeballs into insights, into a market automation system to lead, lead nurture them till they're marketing qualified. Then they drive them into an inside sales rep who closes that deal. And that will scale to maybe $5 million, $10 million, $25 million a year in revenue. But if you want to scale to $100 million, $500 million, $1 billion in revenue, you have to get other people selling for you 24 hours a day. Now we're getting towards the, the kind of back of the show here. And I do have a couple of quick hitter questions if you'll, if you'll take me, go with me on this journey a little bit. Let's go. I'd love to know what brands are you personally obsessed with right now? And you can't say Microsoft and you can't say Nimble, uh, but something in your personal life, not in your business life, what brands are you obsessed with right now? So um, I'm an Apple guy. <laughs> and and I, go, I go way back with, uh, with Apple uh, products. I actually have a Newton here. So he held up, he's held up his iPhone. He's held up his, his, what looks like an old school iPod. <laughs> iPod. Yeah. And, uh, and I have a, uh, I have a Newton somewhere here on my desktop, but I, I, I don't see it, but I bought my first computer in 1978. It was an Apple IIe. And it was because of buying that computer, I think has enabled me to retire at 40 like I did. And so for me, Apple is a is a great brand that uh, that I trust and use on a daily basis. Besides Apple, um, hmm, what brands do I love? So there is a, a backpacking brand called Cool K U H L E, and I'm an avid backpacker, and uh, and I I love uh, their clothes, their backpacking clothes, and I love Osprey. Uh, the backpack. And, uh, and I think that if you haven't got out into the wilderness recently, that's my advice to you. Get out in commune with nature because I think that sitting is the new smoking and that we all need to move more. And so what I do is I do walk and talk. So rather than going into a conference room and meeting with my team, I'll go on a walk with them. 
Or if I have a call where I don't need to present somebody on the computer, I'll go on a walk and do that. And I, I track all my walking on my, on my watch to make sure that I'm moving as much as I can on a daily basis. And so these are some of the brands that, uh, that, I, that I dig and love. And that, and that was an Apple Watch, of course. So that, <laughs> perfect. It all ties to the full ecosystem there. And then to, to kind of finish this off on this, I asked this of all my guests, and I think I know your answer, but do you believe branding or selling is important long-term and why? And, and uh, just like, give us your quick thoughts on that. Well, this kind of goes back to what I was sharing earlier with you, Brandon, is that it's not just salespeople that need to be worried about their brand. And it's not just salespeople that sell. We all sell. Every day we sell. Uh, you're selling yourself for job interviews. You're selling yourself for relationships and connecting. If you go to an event, you're, you're trying to connect with other people. You and I just talked about social media marketing world. Brandon, you are selling yourself every moment of connecting, of, of every time you're at a conference or whatever you're doing. And so branding is critical to your success at selling because if you've established, if you've pre-established your brand before you go to a conference, then people stop you at the conference and they say, "Hey, Brandon, I saw your podcast, or I saw that post, or I, you know, I saw your interview with Mark Schaefer, or whatever you're doing," and and that helps you to build your brand in your network. So, branding and selling are are two sort of key things, and you understand that as an advertising guy. And, uh, and I think we all need to be doing that on a daily basis. But the whole purpose of branding and selling is to create connections and conversations, which drive us back to the relationship thing, right? And so here, here's another blast from the past. This is a, a Rolodex, uh, which is branded by the Rolodex thing. And this is a PCMCIA card that basically was built by uh, Borland back in the day. They had a thing called Sidekick. This is like a little contact database and it's synchronized with Goldmine and things like this. This is how people manage their, their time. This is a sharp uh, wizard, which basically was a electronic version of the daytimer. And all of these things are just historical parts of the, we, we've built like, contact systems since the beginning of time. Even back the Assyrians had stone tablets that they tracked the people they were trading with on these stone tablets. And so we've been selling since the beginning of time. And I actually have a story for you and you can edit this out in the, you know, if it goes too long, but selling started with somebody who had more stuff than they could consume. So that means if you started growing wheat and you had more than you could feed your family, you took it to market and you sold it. It even goes beyond before that. You, you basically found a way to chip a stone into a, uh, a sharp uh, like axe and you were able to attach that to a stick and make a spear or an axe. And that's a unique thing that you knew how to do. But now you could build multiple of those and sell those things or trade those things for other things. And so we've been selling forever. And so I think that in this modern age of selling, that I think that because of social media, relationships are becoming, they're re-emerging as importance. Where during the Mad Men marketing and mass manufacturing days, it was more um, bagum and tagum and one to many. And I think we're getting back to the one-to-one. -one. And that's what you're talking about with the, 
marketing and messaging. Rather than blasting all 100 people in your email list or 1,000 or 10,000, segment it and send a templated one-to-one message to a few hundred or to 10, right? Now, ideally, you're sending one-to-one emails only all the time, but Brandon, you know that's, you and I know that's impossible to do. You at times need to communicate at scale, but that doesn't mean that you need to do one email to 10,000 people. You can segment them, but you can't segment people unless you've, you've got data on people. And that's what Nimble does is enriches people with people and company data that you could then segment and say, oh, this 200 people are interested or influential in, in sales and marketing. Let's send them or invite them to that webinar. And that's the biggest problem with CRMs today is that they don't enrich and you have to type on all this stuff and then you can't segment. And if you don't segment, then you can't send one-to-one. And if you aren't one-to-one, then you're basically going to get blown off in our over-connected, over-communicated world. I absolutely love that. I mean, because if you can't, if you don't know anything about the customers you're sending messages to, uh, then you need to start with that. You need to th- start with getting the data, with listening, with asking questions before you can communicate with them. Because you wouldn't walk up to a stranger on the street and start having a conversation. You have to ask them who they are and get to know them a little bit. So I love... And, and there's an analogy for that that I think might resonate with people. And it has to do with something that we've all experienced. So you don't walk into a business function or a cocktail party and look at the room and say, hey, anybody want to buy some CRM? Right? You don't do that. You walk into the room and you look around and you find a a person or persons that you might want to engage with. And then you walk up and you stand adjacent and you listen and you see where the conversation is flowing. And then you interject and add some value. And then eventually somebody turns to you and goes, Brandon, wow, you, that was, I really liked what you said there. What do you do? And that gives you the opportunity to then talk about yourself and social media is the same way, right? And so you don't just blast out, you know, Hey, come buy my products. You, you basically add value. You listen, you engage, and then you basically become part of the conversation. Then when new people come in the room, they see you as one of the thought leaders and stuff. And so when you're, out there connecting with other people before you send them a LinkedIn message that basically just says, be my contact, walk in the digital footprint, figure out who they are, start by adding value to them in a softer place, like maybe Twitter or their blog posts in Medium or whatever they're doing. And you know what? They may just reach out to you on LinkedIn because you've added so much value. But if you do reach out on LinkedIn, you've already paid that relationship forward enough that they go, oh yeah, Brandon, yeah, I love the way that he said this or did that. You know, I'd love to connect. And ultimately, when you make that connection, invite them for a conversation. And when you're doing that conversation, just don't start talking about yourself or your products. Be prepared to ask some questions and then shut up and listen. Because if you, if you let people talk, they'll tell you everything you need to know about who they are and how you might add value and then offer some value, an introduction or a suggestion of how they can do this or that in their business. And then they're going to ask you about yourself. That's your opportunity to talk about you and your, and your products and services. But ultimately, every engagement you do should be about learning enough to add some value because that's why we're here. And if you add value to others at scale, you can get anything that you want in life. 
I think that's the best place for us to wrap it up because I think that's one of the strongest messages they could they could take from this. If they get nothing else from the podcast, I hope they they listen to what you just said, rewind it, and and play that back. And I do want to say, if people want to find you and get to know you better, uh, where is the best place to to interact with you directly? I know nimble.com is the company, but where where are you active? Sure. So this is another tip for yourself. Google yourself today. Type in your name in the search bar. What happens? Do you show up on the first page? How many times do you show up on the first page? This is what you need to work on with your brand and your network. But Google me, J-O-N space F-E-R-R-A-R-A, and you'll find all the places that I am, and you can connect with me on any channel you feel comfortable. Or how about this? My email is J-O-N at nimble.com. You want to get a hold of me? Reach out. Tell me how I might help you grow because that's what I'd love to do. And so um, connect with me on whatever channel's comfortable for you. And if you do sign up for Nimble and find it a value to yourself or your business, I'm gonna give you a gift. I'm gonna give you 40% off your first three months. Use the code JON40 when you uh, subscribe. So if you sign up for Nimble, it's free for two weeks. You don't have to put in a credit card. But then uh, sometime during that period, if you decide to become a subscriber, you'll save 40% by typing in JON40 in the, in the credit card form area there. I might have a few people trying to type in JON99 to see if there's a 99% discount. <laughs> if they're, they're going with your, your secret codes here, but not, that's JON40 for everyone. Awesome. Thank you. appreciate you giving the listeners a way to access your service easily, try out the free trial, and then yeah, definitely take advantage of that discount if it's something that you guys see value in. Thanks for coming on the show today, John. I loved having you. I think there's so much more that we could dive into uh, with, with your background, especially when I have to bring you back, but I appreciate what you've given us today. Brandon, I really appreciate you giving the opportunity to get up on my soapbox to do a little inspiration and education. As you know, based off our interview, I love to do that. And um, so you did me a favor today and I appreciate you giving me the ability to connect with your community. Thank you. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.